Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, to kick things off today, the government must bring forward plans to link unemployment benefits to previous pay levels and scrap the old flat-rate job seekers benefit system. That, at least, is according to the Irish Congress of Trade Unions, they being, of course, the umbrella group for all of the trade union movement in the country. In a letter to ministers and to TDs seen by the journal, ICTU General Secretary Patricia King has urged politicians from all parties to get behind a new trade union-led campaign to strengthen Ireland's threadbare social safety net Patricia King's words not mine it comes ahead of course of the next cut to the PUP Uh, that latest cut will come into force later on this week Uh, tomorrow the 250 euro PUP rate will be reduced to 203 euro a week that would be in line with the standard job seekers rate at the moment people on the higher 350 euro payment well they'll see their uh, payment cut to 300 and the income support of course that was set out at the start of the pandemic in 2020 is to be scrapped altogether in February of 2022, having heard Paul Reid on the news there a few moments ago with John Hart and with the increasing pressure on the hospital system. It remains to be seen. Will it be scrapped? Will it have to be extended? Are we going to be in this COVID maelstrom still into the months of, of spring and possibly even summer next year? That's, of course, one down the line. Uh, but Dick is saying that the relative generosity of the €350 Euro PUP payment compared to the standard job seekers rate of 203 has highlighted the fact that the benefit is currently inadequate to secure a worker's normal living standards during temporary breaks in employment. Now, of course, you know, when it comes to this type of thing, we obviously have a lot of European neighbours to compare ourselves with. And we are an outlier, it seems, in Western Europe in that our welfare benefits aren't pay related uh, and aren't based on a percentage of what you earn before. So we want to ask you, what do you think? Do you think that it's fair to cut welfare payments maybe for those who are on lower incomes, that they'll get a lower percentage or they'll get a lower weekly payment if they find themselves out of work and in need. And in the same time, those who were higher earners, who you could argue that over the course of their employment have an opportunity maybe to bank, to invest in assets, to you know have savings, to you know, put a lot of money into their pensions to protect themselves from a financial point of view. Should they get more if they find themselves out of work? We want to know what you have to say about this matter. 087-188-0008. First, though, I'm delighted to join Sinn Féin spokesperson for social protection, Claire Curran. Thanks for joining us on the Nile Boylan Show, Claire. Obviously, um, this coming from ICTU, it's non-politicised at least in, in terms of their appealing for all of the political parties to get behind this uh, call by them for a, a reform of the welfare system. Where does Sinn Féin stand on this? Do you support ICTU's call? Firstly, I suppose that there needs to be reform of the welfare system at all and that you know, their suggestion is that you should have any um, welfare payments, should you need them, linked to what you'd paid into the system in your previous employment. Good afternoon, uh, Tara. Good to speak to you. Yeah, so so we fully back what Iktor is saying in relation to reform and, and very badly needed reform of our social protection system. And, and we've been saying this for some time, especially in, related, in relation to the means-tested social assistance payments, the fact that they are all set below the poverty line and the fact that we need to ensure that we 
instill a minimum essential standard of living across those means-tested social protection systems. And then the other side of that coin is those payments that are PRSI-related and the fact that for an ordinary worker that may be earning 300 or 400 euro a week, there is a real cliff edge if they lose their job and have to rely on job seekers' benefit. That's in the first instance if they have enough PRSI contributions, but they are immediately going down to a payment of €203. And that's a real cliff edge for households that have mortgages and rents and childcare costs. And then the other side of that, of course, is the fact that young job seekers are on a rate of €112.70, and that's their maximum rate. So the 203 isn't necessarily the maximum rate for everyone. There are huge discrepancies, anomalies, and a lot of unfairness in our current social protection system. And as we, as we would have outlined in our alternative budget a few weeks ago, we need to radically reform it. And now is the time to do that, taking the lessons from COVID-19 and reforming what's a system that's been in place for so long and that does need change. And I think you're right. I think certainly the situation that we've been through with COVID and the introduction of the PUP, that universal payment, has certainly, you know, caused it to, caused attention to be, to be put on the issue, maybe in a way that hadn't been properly done in previous years. But just want to bring, bring, bring up a couple of the points that you make there. And look, there's no doubt about it that for very many families, you know, the universal payment was not sufficient for them to pay rent, to pay mortgages. We're seeing the stats borne out out in that in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the people who are in difficulty or who have sought uh, extensions to their mortgage and, and that kind of thing. However, it has to be said, you're, we're still seeing uh, many employers struggling to get people to work, struggling to actually have sufficient staffing levels because for some of the people who would have been maybe at the lower end of the scale, they seem quite happy to sit on the higher PUP rate that they've been getting. They're actually getting more to stay at home and stay off work than they would be if they were in employment. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't buy that argument, to to be fair. I mean, anyone that was on the higher rate of 350 were already earning above 350. So their earnings were were higher than the PUP they were receiving. Not at the start, not at the start, at the very start of this. And and actually for, for, well, it went on into last autumn. So, you know, there were a lot of people then who who were earning significantly less than that. No, the the rate changes and and the additional payments that come in, the the different tiers come in well before last autumn. And I don't agree. I mean, look, say, say that was the situation and say you were having a party on 350 euro a week. Now, at this point in time, you're not in that situation. We're coming into the winter and that's not the case anymore. And for an awful lot of young people, they're on far less than even €112.70. And again, if you look at the job seekers payment that people are being transitioned on to now, if they don't have the required number of PRSI contributions, they're going on to a job seekers allowance, which is entirely household means tested. So some people will be actually on little or nothing. And I never buy that argument that people are having a great time on €203 and don't want to work. I think sometimes there are a lot more difficulties there. I think people, everyone is different. And I never buy that argument that anyone is having a great time on €203 and doesn't want to work. I, I don't buy that argument. And I think when COVID hit first, we saw immediately that pandemic unemployment payment. It was introduced to €203 and almost overnight, 
that had to be increased to 350 euro because there was a very quick realization and it does actually show how quickly our social protection system can change where the will is there that payment was totally inadequate and as i've said we'd have a situation in 2021 ireland where every single working age social welfare payment is set below the poverty line and there is so much uncertainty aside from the budget this year we've had no increase in social welfare payments in the last two budgets and that deep uncertainty for people where they lose a job and remember it's not just people who lose the job people have to leave work because they get sick they have to leave work to care for a loved one 203 euro isn't adequate so i fully back what ICTU have said but we also need to look at the means-tested payments as well. Okay, and I'll come to the means-tested payments again in one second, Claire. But just on that point again, I mean, you're talking about the welfare rates being below the poverty rate. But there, it's not just that that's the payment and that's it. There are also then additional supports and additional benefits. Things like, for example, the HAP scheme. Uh, you know, things like if you, have, uh, if you have children, then there's certain um, amounts that are also given. So it's not just the one universal universal payment and that's it. I accept that that's different probably for young job seekers, but I mean, a number of people already on the text line here asking the question, you know, if you have hospitality industries and retail industries that can't open up or can't fully open up, they're crying out for staff. Why should younger people be getting that support, you know, nearly at all? And that's, I just want to say, that's their question, not necessarily mine. But but defend that. €112.70 per week for a young, for a young job seeker. Um, and yet they could be earning a lot more than that in a job, but yet we still have a huge skills shortage. Something's not right there. Yeah, I I think we have a huge skills shortage, and I think there are difficulties. Look, we see them in apprenticeships now at the moment, apprenticeships, massive delays, a lack of investment that we've seen for years and years. But but again, like I don't buy the argument that young people, and again, 112.70 is the maximum a young person will be on because the majority of young people are living at home with their parents. Their entire household income is taken into account. Mm. So some of them are on much, much less. And, and I don't buy the argument that they're sitting at home. Have I, I don't know how anyone lives on 112 euro 70 a week. I really don't. And I think there are a lot of difficulties there for people i mean you mentioned hap yeah i mean hap is there and it's a support to some people and it's a it's a portion of their rent paid but rents have gone way above hap limits so i mean even that in itself is coming nowhere close to to the runaway rents that we've seen and similarly for qualified children payments as well the cost of living is through the roof the cost of rearing children particularly older children is is also really really difficult for an awful lot of parents and households especially lone parent households so we have huge inadequacies in relation to our social protection system and it needs an entire overhaul, the whole system, not just that element of those losing their jobs and needing a percentage of previous earnings, as is, I mean, very common and similar across Europe. What about things like married couples as well? You often hear about married and cohabiting couples who, when they're in work and they're being taxed separately, but then when it comes to an unfortunate situation where one or other may lose their job, it's almost a given that your husband or your wife or your your, uh, live-in partner is going to, it's their responsibility to fund you rather than the state's. Yeah, and again, huge difficulties there in the fact that as an individual, as a citizen of the state, you're not an individual in the eyes of the social protection system. You're a qualified adult or a qualified child, a kind of an add-on to your husband or wife in an awful lot of cases. And again, this goes back to the fact that there are so many inadequacies there. I had a lady in my constituency office a few weeks ago. She's on the blind pension. Her partner got a promotion at work. His income went up. She lost her blind pension. She's still blind, but... She has no income support now and she's almost an add-on. So there is 
so much inadequacy in the system and, and the fact that even in old age, older people that would have worked, they don't get a state pension in their own right, they're a qualified adult. So again, there are an awful lot of, of inadequacies in the system and we have to look at all of this if we're going to look at our social protection system, not just what it to have highlighted in relation to job seekers. What, how, how do we afford it, Claire? Well, look, I think we have to look at the PRSI in a whole. I mean, for a start, the minimum essential standard of living that we need to put into our social protection system for those means-tested payments to do nothing but ensure that people are kept above the poverty line, that has a cost in total of $1.4 We've outlined how we would do that over five years, and that is absolutely essential. And second, then, we have to look at PRSI. We would have put forward a number of tax-raising measures in our alternative budget, uh, fully costed in relation to how we would do that. And it does mean... So, the other, the, pe- so the other people, the squeezed middle, uh, they're, end, they're going to end up funding this, essentially. I, I, I wouldn't call people on individual incomes taking home over 140000 a year the squeezed middle. I don't think they're the squeezed middle. That's who we're talking about. We're also talking about PRSI and employers that are paying wages of over hundred grand. Again, wouldn't call them the squeezed middle. So th- that's not the point. And again, when we talk about how we're going to afford to make sure that loan care parents, carers, people with a disability are going to be protected from poverty, which is such a basic. I mean, any social protection system should protect people who rely on us from poverty. Ours doesn't. There's something very wrong in that. And I just met with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul there. They estimate that a euro in every 20 euro collected through tax is being spent to actually address the damage caused by poverty. They did a report with Dr. Michal Collins, which showed that we're paying between 3 billion and 7.2 billion annually just dealing with the consequences of poverty. So, you know, we either make the system that it protects those that rely on it or we keep paying billions every year addressing poverty. It's one or the other and, and we have to choose the other. I mean, we were we had a, we had a conversation with Michael Healy Ray on the program last week. Uh, the Rural Independent Alliance, for example, were suggesting a two hundred and fifty euro voucher sent to households across the country, lower income households across the country, to help the uh, help them with the cost of of, of of rising fuel this winter. That that was one of the premises of the tenants that, that they were setting out in their uh, private members' motion in the Dáil last week. And we had a huge number of people getting in touch with the program, saying, "But why? Why the low income people?" again why why are they getting it they might get their fuel allowance anyway now and i appreciate this is you know this is not going to happen but the but the premise of 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 helping out people who are on on lower incomes and okay i take your point you know, the squeeze middle maybe are not people on a combined household income of 140,000 euro a year but they are maybe on a combined income of 50 or 60 or 70 and they can't afford more PRSI. They cannot afford because they're going to find themselves in a situation where they're increasingly driven into poverty if they are going to have to be expected, firstly, to lose out on, you know, the, it, like it, it, you, you, can, you can take money from higher incomes. And, and I know that's always been, sent, been, been Sinn Féin's central position. That the higher income families pay more, the higher income earners pay more. But if you're going to have then, for example, people on welfare, on higher rates of welfare rate, where is the incentive for those people who are in the middle to keep getting up in the morning and going out to work, keep paying the taxes, keep seeing themselves having to pay more and more and more and more and more? 
Yeah, well, firstly, just to say in relation to that 140,000, that's a 3% increase, and that's on individual, not combined. And you're right, like, there is an awful lot of people out there who are getting up early every morning. You could have a couple with kids, they're working every day, and they're being squeezed. And, and they're really the ones, as well as low-income workers, exactly the same, facing huge difficulties in relation to the massive cost of living that we're seeing right now, and it is crippling them. And they definitely do feel like, I'm getting up every day, I'm going out to work, and I'm struggling. And, and that shouldn't be the case. But at the, and in relation to energy costs, I mean, I have put forward repeatedly a, the need for a discretionary fund to be established for those exact people that are locked out of the fuel allowance. Because the government keep pointing to the fuel allowance as a solution for those struggling with utility bills. But the fuel allowance is far, far too limited. And the slight changes that were made in the budget will see an additional over 7,000 households perhaps qualify. And the bulk of them won't qualify till January when, you know, a lot of the, the winter and the hard times will have come and gone in some respects. So you're right. And that's why we need a discretionary fund for the energy side of things, because there are so many people working, middle income earners that are getting no support at all. And that's why I have put forward repeatedly, we need to look beyond the fuel allowance and those people in the middle. And we're not asking them to pay more in relation to taxes. I mean, a lot of them workers are paying enough in taxes and they're getting nothing for it. And that's the problem. Uh, they're not even getting a guaranteed state pension now at 65 and that's a whole other conversation mm, yeah, absolutely. but and one that we need we need to look at the cost of living and we need to look at those measures we put forward a rent freeze a month's rent back in people's pockets uh, help with childcare costs they're the kind of measures insurance is another example that we need to look at to assist those middle people in the middle the squeeze middle who are working hard and seeing very little for it and I totally understand that but at the same time we're not just talking about job seekers when we talk about our social protection system we're talking about carers some of them are working 24 7 for 219 euro a week mm. again if they live with people they're on less than that so we have an awful lot to do in relation to social protection and in relation to tackling the cost of living for workers as well all right claire Cran, Sinn Féin spokesperson for social protection thanks for joining us on the program today where are you on this are you happy to pay a little bit more tax if it means that there's better welfare supports for people who need them and you know any of us on any given day could find ourselves in need. Do you think it's crazy to be linking welfare payments in relation to what you earned before? 0871 Get in touch with the show. You're very welcome back to the Nile Boylan Show on Ireland's Classic Hits. Tara Juggan in for Nile again this week. A little bit later in the programme we're going to be talking about psychedelics and the use of psychedelics as a treatment for depression. There's been a lot of research done in recent years and a lot of the big universities in the US the likes of John Hopkins and Boston University now coming forward with some evidence uh, for the obviously supervised use of psychedelics in the treatment of depression. Um, there is unsupervised use going on, of course there is with the likes of LSD, magic mushrooms and, and so on and so forth. But we want to hear from anyone who may have had experience of this or for people who are maybe currently taking antidepressants and feel it's not working and that they'd be interested in something like psychedelics may have to offer. We'll be speaking to one expert for a background uh, and information but we want to hear from you as well if you have any uh, interest in the topic or experience. Uh, but I want to get back to our conversation that we had there with Claire Curran and this call by the Irish Congress of Trade Unions for a complete root and branch reform of the welfare system here. Ictus suggesting that all political parties get behind a union-led initiative to have welfare rates essentially index linked with your earnings. So in other words, if you were a high income earner and you lost your job, you 
should get a higher rate of welfare support. If you're a lower income earner, that it should also be linked there. Um, Claire Coran from, um, the, uh, from Sinn Féin, their social protection spokesperson, very much getting behind what ICTU had to say and uh, obviously setting out Sinn Féin's individual stall in relation to that. I'm joined now by Claire. Claire, we during the course of the conversation with uh, with Claire Curran, we were talking about and, and she was talking about the uh, welfare rate for younger people. You know, we were putting the point to her that maybe there's some evidence that a lot of younger people, when they were receiving the PUP, and not just younger people, people who were maybe on lower incomes generally, weren't in a hurry to get back to work. You've some experience of this. Well, my um, experience would be of a person now, they weren't on the PUP, they were just getting the, the 112 uh-huh. basic payment um, because they weren't working, they didn't get the PUP. But in my experience, the, I know Claire said there that you wouldn't live on 112. Um, these young people are living at home. They have their heating paid for it, they have their ESB paid for it, they have their meals handed up to them. Um, the 112 is their disposable income. And what I think is that, like, say, myself, when I'm finished working at the end of the week, I don't have 112 euros disposable income. I don't have it, you know, just for entertainment, say, for going for lunch or for going to the cinema with my friends. I do not have it. My friend um, works. She's got four children. She works extremely hard. She works a 50-hour week. And she comes out with, by the time she has her diesel, which has gone through the roof, paid for, she comes out with 28 euros a week left over. And somebody, somebody you know, technically could be sitting at home with 112, which is essentially their pocket money. Well, that's, yeah, well, that's what we're, like, her son, um, he's getting 112. My son is getting 112 euros a week. They, they sit at home, they can watch Netflix, um, they can relax, they can kick back. We're the ones that are out going from, you know, commuting to work, te- collecting other children, racing back, making sure they have everything done. And... You know, to the point that, like, she recently had a row, and I've, I've brought it up at my son as well, you know, it's, you, you need to get out and you need to get working. And he's like, for what? You've nothing left at the end of the week. I have. Right, okay. So for him, it, there's literally zero incentive. To, why don't you kick him out the door and say, or take the 112 off him and say, that's, you know, there's 12 quid, I'm taking the 100 off you because I, you know, I'm heating you, I'm feeding you. Like, look, that's what would have been done with me at home and I definitely paid my way even when I was babysitting at home. But just this generation, there's just no chance of that. It just, it, it's it's nearly seen as a brand of cruelty if you take anything off them. And it's not that I'm a soft mother, I'm actually not. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's the money is paid into their account. It's not, it's not like, you know, where before, like, say... I know that years ago, when I was put on a social welfare payment, um, I was out sick and I was put on one. And I know that, um, you know, you had to go to the post office every week to actually yeah. have the cash. Yeah. So, I mean, automatically, I would have the amount, the entire amount, and I would hand a certain amount over to my mum. But you see, it's all paid into their bank accounts now. So it's, you know, top up 20 euros credit out into their PayPal, whatever. And it's just, it's a different life to, to what we had. But it, like, just... I can like I understand what Claire is saying, like not everybody has the hundred and twelve. But the hundred and twelve is a standard if you are living at home unless your parents are earning an awful lot of money. So I mean you, we would do you think, Claire, therefore, that, that that amount of money for and I mean there was a huge hullabaloo, I remember, um it was it was 
post Celtic Tiger era, it was when when the bust hit that the job say, job seekers rate was cut for younger people. I think it was Joan Burton in the Labour Party who did it when she was Minister for Social Protection. I, I, I'm stand, I could stand corrected on that, but from memory, I think it was. And there was a huge hullabaloo. Do you think that in actual fact that should be means tested? That that it should be a means tested payment if you're a younger person between the ages of eighteen and twenty four or whatever it is, and you apply for job seekers, that it shouldn't be an auto automatic 1-1-12 per week which for some is a really small barely survivable amount but for others is pocket money do you think it should be means tested and if somebody is seen to be living at home with their parents and they're not contributing to the heat or the light or the food or whatever else that they shouldn't get that amount well that's it I mean if you if you look at the way the, the scheme is actually run at the moment if you look at like the broadband of, of social welfare payments. We'll just say if, if you're at home and you're you're working and your husband is working but you're on, on middle income and you have a few children, you are entitled to, you know, the work and family payment. The second your child turns eighteen, they're cut from that payment. So a family may actually be down forty or fifty euros. Their child will then get hundred and twelve euros with no obligation to help back out the family. I do think that there there needs to be a, a look at the actual way it's handed out. I mean, yes, if, if my son was to move out into a flat by himself, number one, he wouldn't be able to afford it. No. Number two, yeah. he wouldn't be able to actually get accommodation. But then you will have other people who are able to manipulate the system and get the get the you know the half payment, and and they can afford to do that. And you're there then, and I'm like, I'm there paying a mortgage, and you're you're just trying to make ends meet. Mm. And sometimes it's just like, why am I on this hamster wheel of of going round and round? And as he said, like, um, more fool you, because I can go to the cinema when I want to, and you can't. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't. Like, it's 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 a treat for us to actually go as a family. Yeah, and an expensive like one. At that, an expensive yeah. one at that when you are bringing younger kids. Stephen, welcome to the Nile Boylan Show. Where are you on this suggestion from Ick2 that we should completely reform the welfare system and probably have a lot more means testing involved in it as well? Well, I'm in a strange position. I actually agree with the union for once because for, a bit, for about a decade I've been calling for the reform of the welfare system into a contribution-based system. But I have to say I would disagree something with the uh, first lady you had on from Sinn Féin when mm-hmm. they say the budget was costed. Mm. It wasn't. There was a three billion hole as they never took into account the National Development Plan nor the public sector pay deal. Okay. Uh, so, leave, but, which is kind of important. But no, I mean, most of the European countries do have a system where you get 80 or 90% of your salary if you lose your job. Yeah. But key to that is also tapers, it also reduces. Because I think our system is completely unfair. If you work 20, 30 years and lose your job, you get the same payment as someone who has never worked a day in their life. And that's completely wrong. I'd I, I much rather we have a, a proper safety net between jobs so that people don't have to worry about paying their bills when they look for another job and maybe have that go on for six or nine months and then drop a certain percent and then drop again after another six months. But neither should we have a system that encourages lifelong dependency. And what the other lady was saying uh, uh, initially as well, I disagree with in that, as I think you point out yourself, it's not just the 203 euros we discussed before with Niall. Yeah. I mean, two adults and three kids in Dublin end up, when you add up everything, oh, getting over 48,000 euro a year when you include child benefit, the Christmas bonus, the fuel mm-hmm. allowance, the dependent allowance. There's a lot of extra. So very few people just get the, so that the, the initial 203. They get all the add-ons and they get a medical card, yeah. which in itself is worth probably several thousand a year. Yeah. 
and, and, and the evidence is that people who have medical cards are more inclined to use them, whereas, you know, people who have to pay for the doctor when they go and visit tend to, to not go as often as well. I mean, there's a lot of evidence around that, uh, uh, you know, and the use of, of, of social services when you have free access to them. So... But but again, I mean, you know, you you your I haven't looked at Sinn Fein's costings. I have to be very honest about that. Claire Coran says they're costed. You argue differently. When we get to pivotal times like elections, generally speaking, there's more analysis and people drill down into the actual costings of budgets by the various political parties. But I'll ask you the question then, because you seem fairly informed on it. I ask Claire Coran, how do we pay for this? How do we pay for this? If, for example, we're going to take the model that they have in Belgium and the Netherlands and, and, and Sweden and France, whereby, you know, you're in, in Belgium, for example, the first two months that you may be out of work if you lose your job, you get 90% of, 91% of your previous salary. After a year, that drops to 79%, but it's still almost 80% of your previous salary. How can we afford that? Well, I think it actually doesn't necessarily have to cost us any money at all, because if you look at a lot of other countries, the people who tend to get those payments tend to find work a, a lot quicker than, say, in a country like Ireland at the moment, where you keep pay, paying the same amount of money. Yes, you're supposed to turn up, or sorry, you're supposed to be seeking jobs, but we all know people in our community who have never worked a day in their life, or if they do work, they work in the black economy. If you look at, say, the states where they are probably the, the least um, generous welfare mm. system, either the, the studies that show either the first two weeks before the payment is cut or after, people suddenly find a job when the money gets cut off. Right. So I think in an Irish system, we should protect people, but we shouldn't, maybe two years would be enough. And the other thing um, that the other lady was mentioning there as well about the half payment for a young person, I actually don't think any young person when they finish school, if they're fit and able, should go straight on the dole. There's other countries like Germany do the work first system. If, if you're unlucky enough not to go into education, not to find work, mm. they, give, they give you community work and they pay you. And you can also earn on top of that. But to start off paying a young person money to do nothing is wrong because I think it's going to set a precedent for the rest of their life. And the other thing we should remember is the uh, Eurostat who look at all the EU countries have said Ireland is one of the highest countries, has, has one of the highest jobless um, households in, in, in Europe, in that household where people never work. There's intergenerational joblessness mm. because there's no good example or there's no push to get people out to work. If you start getting paid money to do nothing, you're going to keep taking it. But, you know, again, there are, I mean, there ha- we, we, you know, we've, there's been, focus on long-term unemployment here before at various points in time, leading to allegations then that, you know, people were being changed from category to category. They weren't long-term unemployed. They were being put onto some other type of payment. How do you solve that? How do you resolve that? Are we always going to be destined to have a cohort of the population that are going to have intergenerational unemployment? Or, or, Or how do we stop it? What can be done about it? I would do what Germany and Australia do, as I said, institute a system based on workfare, where somebody's unlucky enough and they're able-bodied not to be able to find um, work. They're, they're then do you, the you cut them off? Do you cut them off, Stephen? No, do you no, cut them off? No, workfare is where they do community work, maybe for 20 hours a week. So, they, so in, in return for support from the, from the community, they have to give something back, but they don't get money to do nothing. Didn't we have that? We had, they were called CE schemes and they were largely cut. They were, and I think that was a mistake. Um, but in other countries like Australia, you don't go straight on to getting money for nothing. If you're a young person who's able-bodied, you have to do work. 
And that makes a lot of people then actually get into the, the mindset of doing work and they look for a, their own job where they probably get paid twice as much. But, you know, and again, it, 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 you're taking, in, you're, you're, you're assuming the view that when somebody has an experience of work that they're going to want to continue to do it. But look at the point I put to Claire Cran. You know, we're, we're seeing, I've seen stores, retail outlets closing having to close down and only open on Saturdays and Sundays out in North County, Dublin. I've seen um, restaurateurs having to cut service, either limited to daytime or nighttime, because they simply cannot get enough people for both. And yet we still have people on the PUP, albeit it's now reducing. Uh, We still have people um, of the younger age group at home on their €112 per week. And we still have a huge issue with long-term unemployment sometimes people just do not want to work and no amount of a financial incentive or disincentive is going to change that. I agree with you. I think initially I understand the PUP was, had to be brought in quickly when people who were doing one or two days a week, particularly part-time, suddenly got the full €350. Euro. And that, of course, had an effect. Now, it is being, being reduced down, as you say, and it is reducing again, so that also might encourage people back to work. But I'll go back to my former point for people who decide they, they never want to work, fine. Well, they have a workfare system where at least they have to contribute something to society in return for the money society is giving to them. I think that's fair. And I think a number of them will be encouraged to get to work. But if you keep giving them money to do nothing, you'll probably never encourage them to go to work because why should they? Where are you on this? Are you with Stephen? Do you think that you have to be encouraged to go to work? And, and if, you, if, you're, if you're not, well, then, you know, if, unless you've got a bloody good reason uh, your your welfare payment is going to be withdrawn or cut to the absolute loop bare bones you know or or do we need to have more sympathy for people who are confined to uh, being welfare recipients for for the short or long term let us know what you think. We're discussing the ICTU call for root and branch reform of the welfare system and index linking it with what you earned in your previous role. In other words, if you were a higher earner, you're going to get more if and when you may need the dole. Uh, and obviously that trickles down. If you earned less, then you shouldn't get as much. Michelle, we've been discussing, and, and Stephen, certainly our last caller there, very much advocating for the contribution-based system, uh, saying that we need to be more closely aligned with our European neighbours. Do you go along with that or do you think that we have a responsibility, a moral responsibility to pay for people who maybe don't get some of the breaks that many of us get in life and and, and need more care and support? Um, Yeah, I definitely will be in support of of, um, reform of the system. And um, I think that, you know, if anybody that's living on, you know, 203 euros in today's society, I think that's the height of cruelty, um, I and that should it just shouldn't be happening at all. And personally, for me, I came out of horrific domestic violence. I had to try and find childcare. It took me like it was three years trying to find childcare, and then I had to get over the hurdle of trying to um, pay for childcare. Uh, when she was a baby, uh, childcare costs were 190 euros a week. Um, you know, and then you have to find a job between nine to five, Monday to Friday, even at that, and the struggle. And initially, that it took. initially, Michelle, when you found yourself in this situation, having mm-hmm. fled domestic violence, mm-hmm. you were in receipt of welfare, were you? Yeah, I I was on um, a lone parent, and even when I went into, you know, even on a lone parent, you have to give the other parent's name 
Not once ever did social welfare ever go to the father of the child and and um, and seek money. So again, it's not a lone parent when the other parent is still alive. Mm. So the idea that you would, um, you know, social welfare is there. It's supposed to be social protection. It's not supposed to be discriminatory. It's there to protect you when you're down and out. And for some reason in society, we have this idea that we can, it's okay to tell a person that's, you know, on the lowest poverty line that, that it's okay to bash them when they're down and tell them that they're wasters and that they don't want to work. Um, but that's, you know, they, they have this idea that they get houses, they get this, that and the other. Try living on 204 euros. And if it's a great life, as they all make out to be, then you can go on the social welfare system as well. You don't have to keep your job. You can be in this great life of, you know, the people that don't work as well, you know. Michelle, um, the, the suggestion from the Irish Congress of Trade Unions, I'm sure, would yeah. be to actually better protect people like you who found yourself in that yeah. crisis situation. But also yeah. then, um, and I don't want to use the word penalising, but to be able to to be able to give more to people who find themselves in crisis situations like yeah. you were, but then also, you know, looking at the other uh, side of the coin and the other end of the scale, that people who maybe have not worked or, are, you know, or who are living in very heavily subsidised housing, who have the medical card, that they maybe get less in terms of a cash payment. Um, well, I mean, rent, um, you know, my sister, for one, she, she um, used to work in the Simon community. She often had people coming in that were on jobs of 70,000 and they couldn't afford to keep their job because mm-hmm. they were homeless. Their cost of rent um, and then they had to pay for childcare. If they had three kids, I mean, they were effectively put out of work. So it isn't that people don't want to go to work and the cost of living is so high. They, the banks, even on 40K, you can't get a mortgage now if you're single. No, it's, absolutely. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. what house are you going to afford? And, well, a, a very, ex- a very expensive, a very expensive rented one, Michelle. And certainly from the daft report, it's uh, that's getting worse, not better. Eddie, you're very welcome to the Nile Boylan show. Where do you oh, stand yeah. on this? Do you think we should be trimming back welfare payments for those maybe who've never worked or, or you know, have have not worked for a considerable amount of time in order to be able to pay more money to those who have been contributing into the system? Generally, the the statistics will show people in higher incomes if they lose their jobs are more likely to get back in re-employment again pretty quickly Well my train of thought on that obviously like somebody on 203 euros a week you can't trim that back any further it's as simple as that um, my my issue my problem was um, I don't know if, you, if they told you my lucky story like but both myself and my wife are working and we have a special needs daughter and for about the first 10 years of her life my parents were helping out with babysitting Okay um, we lost a brother tragically through cancer over a very short illness and it affected my parents badly. Now, I have a most beautiful little girl. She's 12 years old, mm. but she's built like a tank and she's a dynamo and my parents just aren't able for her anymore. So I had to go on carers leave to mind her, which yeah. is, I'm quite happy to do that. Like, um, But myself and my wife, we paid our way our whole lives. Absolutely straight down the line. If there was a bill, we paid it. It doesn't matter what it was. And now I find two years down the line that my only payment that I'm entitled to would be 50 euros a week as long as I don't work outside the house. 
Okay, so that's my wife all. Is a nurse. My wife is a nurse. We're not. We're like we're not big earners. My wife is a nurse. So, like when you're means tested, you're not. Your mortgage isn't taken into account. Your payments, anything you're paying out, isn't taken into account. And mm. I just my, my problem is I just don't think it's fair. For I I spent twenty five, close on thirty years, paying into the system, for multiple jobs at the same time. And you and feel let down now just, that when you do need it, it's not there to help and support it's you. Just not there. Like I I have a son started university this year like like he's not entitled to Susie he's not entitled to anything on one on essentially a one income family with your one income family yeah we're now a one income family at the moment I'm on 203 euros a week and that finishes up next May and after that it's 50 euros a week and that's all screwed simple as that Eddie would it well, be we would, would you can't do that like no but I, I this is good my, my, my next question would you and your wife be better off both of you out of work we were advised once that um, we would be... And, no, at, when we were advised, we weren't on small wages. Yeah. We were advised once that we would be better off financially by about 50 euros a month if my wife and I were not working. And it, w- it would have been facilitated for us there and then. Obviously, we don't do that. We're, like, we're, we're very old-fashioned people. We work. We like to pay our own way. Um, I just think it's very unfair. I mean, all, I'm, all I actually wanted was to get carers allowed and be allowed to work maybe 16 hours a week and not be penalised for it. Like, I, I'm a worker. My, my, sitting at home now staring at walls mm. when my daughter's at school. That's not, that's not healthy for a man. That's not healthy for a woman. It's definitely not healthy for a man that's been out to work his whole life. I find it very hard. And so if you could have a say in this uh, call to reform the welfare service, what would you ask for? My, my basic plea would be just have a, be a little bit more realistic. Just be a little bit, like, if, if you're there, if you pay into the system, the system has to be fair to you. Nobody wants, like, I'm not looking for anything for free. I don't want stuff for free. I just want what I've paid into. That's, I, that's my own story. I don't... Like, I, want to, I want to pay my own way. I've always wanted to pay my own way. I want to pay my own mortgage. I want to own my own home. <laughs> you know, I want to get um, presents at Christmas. I want to, like, cut for bid, we decided to go for a, a holiday, like... Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's too much to ask, Eddie. Um, and let's hope, I suppose, that for people like Michelle and for people like you uh, and for the many others who maybe need that extra bit of support, that uh, this call for the reform of the welfare system will be found with open ears uh, in the political system rather than deaf ones. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.